Hey guys and welcome to the Morbid Download. This is episode number three. So we've got a chap in today and his name's Mark Elliott. He's a sports nutritionist, does a lot of research-based uh, in, uh, information. He's very much around the stats and what is actually proven to make a difference, especially around training uh, and your daily lifestyle. So the questions that we're going to go over this morning is around how important is your breakfast? You know, is it the most important meal of the day? Is it not? Does it really matter what you eat? Does it not? And we've done like Facebook polls to gather insight from our customers. Uh, and basically, we're just going to do an intro and just do little dialogue going over uh, some of the subject matter. So, Mark, give us an introduction to who you are and what you do. And Yep. So, uh, my name's Mark. Um, as Chris mentioned, I primarily work in sports nutrition and also do some personal training as well and work with specialist populations but again most of my research revolves around breakfast uh, as in breakfast consumption breakfast composition what are the best times to have breakfast if at all and also how does it then subsequently affect following meals so if you don't have breakfast for example how will it then affect your lunch consumption your dinner consumption and then an overall calorie intake depending on your goal. And, it, you know, the, the things that people ask, you know, there's been quite a few different methods that have been going over the years. Like, what is it, eat like a king, dinner's like for breakfast, dinner's meant to be for like a prince, and then eat like a pauper in the evening meal. You know, how much factual is around that? Do you think? Um, yeah, so it's kind of, um, as you said, the, the breakfast idea initially come from, uh, it was almost like the Kellogg's slogan of um, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And it, that's really what kind of started a lot of people's perceptions when it comes to breakfast and what you eat and when you eat. And does it have to be carbohydrate based, for example, is another in, important topic. So um, will people eat a majority carbohydrate based breakfast? Will they now look at a higher protein intake as as now proteins being infused in a lot of even sort of normal food products as well so you can get protein cottage cheese and protein cereals and, and things like that so it, it really is interesting kind of looking at at the research behind it and seeing well actually if you do give someone a breakfast or if you don't or if as chris said if you give them a, a massive breakfast and a smaller lunch does it seem to make a, a difference but most of the time, it's going to depend on the individual's goal. So as we as we go through this podcast today, we'll, go, we'll talk a little bit about goal-specific um, food intake as well. So if you're an athlete, for example, and you train first thing in the morning, it might actually be beneficial to have a breakfast and have quite a large breakfast to because um, as you fasted, you've depleted um, glycogen stores within the muscle. And it does improve performance, doesn't it, having yeah. breakfast? And it makes a difference, especially if you're weight training. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the uh, the most heavily researched part of, um, of the sports nutrition world is carbohydrate and performance. And again, the evidence points towards the benefits behind having carbohydrates before training, especially when it comes to recovery. So individuals that might train multiple times a day, they could benefit from having um, frequent carbohydrate feeding as well, whether it be at a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner. Um, but as well as an athlete generally won't follow that sort of pattern of having breakfast, lunch and dinner. They'll usually have um, not so much smaller meals, but they'll have more frequent meals. Because, again, the idea is to replenish that muscle glycogen in the, as, as quick a time as possible, really, to help them 
um, increased recovery. I mean, around breakfast, how much do you reckon is influenced by marketing? Like you were saying, Kellogg's yeah. earlier, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. They're yeah. bound to say that because they're a breakfast cereal, but how much is actually pushed by marketing? Yeah, massive, massively. So um, the term breakfast, so if you look at the actual term itself, it just means breaking the fast. So you can break the fast at any time of day. It doesn't have to be within a sort of typical 8 to 10 a.m. that someone would eat breakfast. Um, so an individual could break their fast at, at, at 12 o'clock. But the, the kind of, as, as you mentioned, the marketing element of things, it, it almost comes with the fact that you sit at the table with a bowl of cereal, and you consume that that bowl of cereal, but that might contain 80% carbohydrate. So if that's not going to really help towards your goals, if you're looking at increasing muscle mass, for example, you could argue that a cereal hasn't got enough protein, for example, or even enough fat to really um, uh, increase muscle protein synthesis to any extent. So it's, it's kind of important to take the individual's context on it and think, well, what's, what's going to benefit me really? Because it's not as if to say the research says don't have breakfast at all it's just looking at what what the individual can kind of gather from from the information itself i mean do you have breakfast i do yeah this, so that was, a, <laughs> that was the point i was going to get onto next so i usually train um early so i'll normally train between seven and, and nine o'clock in the morning so for me breakfast is important as a performance enhancing benefit so i i see it as in um, for me personally, again, it's. Um, I think there might be some perception involved in this, some self-perception. So it'd be interesting to see if I actually stop having breakfast now and I do a fasted exercise session, whether it'll actually make that much difference on, on my performance. Um, but for me, I, I always have breakfast just due to the fact that it's more of an habitual thing with me. So I'll wake up in the morning at a particular time, I'll have breakfast, I'll have fluids beforehand, then I'll, then I'll go to the gym. So... It's kind of become part of my lifestyle, really, but it would be interesting to do some self-research, I suppose, yeah. and look at what would happen if I skip that meal, then train, whether it would have a subsequent effect on my performance. I mean, because a lot of it's come from human behaviour, hasn't it? And it's been yeah. through years and years of just implementing, this is what we've always done. Yeah. You know, sometimes change is good. And, you know, for weight loss perspectives, yeah. you know, does it make a big difference for uh, weight loss? You know, at the end of the day, it's calories in and calories yeah. out, isn't it? So exactly, it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be breakfast, but yeah. it does help you get all your calories in at the end of the day, doesn't it? It's... Yeah, definitely. And, and that's that's a really good point. It, it does fundamentally come down to a, to a calorie balance. Um, but we, we're dealing with humans, and that's the thing there, and you get human behaviour. So uh, if, we, if it was robotic, it would be a case of, <laughs> yeah. right, you eat less calories, that's great. But obviously the, the thing between our ears makes us... Uh, <laughs> makes us think otherwise about, about food consumption and things like that. So yeah, when it comes down to the, the breakfast itself, there's some, uh, there's some really good research um, in regards to um, breakfast uh, emission and actually skipping breakfast. And then you can look at subsequent meals following that. And it doesn't appear that if you skip breakfast, for example, and your breakfast is normally 600 calories, that over the, the subsequent meals, you can actually compensate for that 600 calories. It doesn't generally tend to tend to happen. So if you are in a uh, looking at either weight management or you're looking at weight loss as a primary goal, it might actually be beneficial for the individual to skip breakfast just then due to the subsequent calorie intake throughout the day. 
to get into that deficit. It tends to make it a little bit easier for people to meet a, a deficit. Because that's become more popular over the last couple of years, isn't it? That yeah. people skip breakfast, they do the cardio run or the weight training, whatever they're doing in the yeah. morning. Yeah, uh, and the research is going, well, it'll kickstart your metabolism. Yeah. Also, it'll put you off for eating for a longer period of time. Yeah. Uh, and people find it hard to get the calorie amount in throughout the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... The thing is with, with kind of skipping breakfast in regards to metabolism and, and things like that, again, the evidence doesn't really agree with that. So when you look at an individual's um, resting metabolic rate, activity rest, uh, metabolic rate, it, it actually is slightly lower. And uh, also what it generally tends to um, impact as well is what's called NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So individuals that skip breakfast when they're when they're blinded to the fact as well so they don't actually realize that they're skipping breakfast um because they'll have a zero calorie drink or a, or a breakfast drink it actually shows that the when they were in activity trackers that the individuals that skipped breakfast actually did less activity so without okay. realizing it so it's almost as if the kind of perception of energy involved them reducing their own energy uh, energy burn so the idea of again skipping breakfast it generally tends to have a slight re- reduction on uh, on an individual's resting metabolic rate doing that. So I know with a lot of my clients, you know, I've always recommended, right, spread your meals out evenly throughout yeah. the day because obviously when you say, well, you're meant to eat around 2,000 calories and you're saying, well, you don't have to have breakfast, well, that means you're going to try and make it up throughout the day or you're just going to yeah. go into the deficit for your... Uh, for your weight loss because a lot of weight loss programs are based on working out your bmr and then reducing it by 500 you know yeah. that's what you did on the pt course isn't it and it, yeah. they just recommend that uh so it yeah. doesn't really and then, yeah, i think uh, you know the point system and stuff like that so world are based on a similar process you work out your calorie intake and then mm. it just reduces it yeah exactly that so um really as you said it comes down to a calorie balance at the end of the day so the idea is to get people into good uh, behaviors and good habits because um, the, the problem is usually is that the, the kind of habitual um, food intake, the, the, the big, one of the biggest ones I see is just skipping breakfast, skipping lunch or having a very, a very small amount of lunch. And then by the time they get to dinner, it's, it's, they're just ravenous. They just want to eat anything that they can get hold of. So the idea, I do really like the idea from a, a kind of behavior standpoint to give individuals kind of small requirements in regards to the meal because it's less likely then to lead to a calorie excess at, at dinner behavior wise now the the thing is with with research it is great but it's usually in very controlled settings so to take that kind of out of that controlled setting and then give an individual their own um their own sort of perception of how much food they should eat that's where it gets skewed so and then you add in things like they sit in front of the TV or they might be sitting on their phone. They're distracted in some ways. There's research around individuals sitting at a, at a desk, uh, sorry, at um, a table in a restaurant. And again, how does that influence um, calorie intake? And I think I think that's great. You know, they're doing the research and it is in controlled settings, but then how they market it yeah. could be completely different, isn't it? Because yeah. you're marketing to every Joe, Joe Bloggs that sort of got their own life. They're yeah. not in controlled settings. Yeah. Uh, and that's where it goes a bit skew with with the research, isn't it? It does yeah. do this, so long as you do it in this way. Yeah, and I um, think that's where good coaching comes from as well. So yeah. if you look at good coaches, they, they take a foundation of the research as a base, but then they add in a little bit of artistic flair to it, because there's going to be those elements where you have got to look at it from an individual's perspective. So the research is, is good at, at kind of generalising advice for individuals, 
but then you've got to got to base it on that individual. So yes, breakfast um, emission, skipping breakfast might help some individuals, but on the other spectrum of things, it might not help a, another. So having those individual um, conversations as well with your coach, with your nutritionist, with your personal trainer, and then they can set a plan in. And as long as you've got uh, individual goals set throughout this plan of, I want to try and achieve this by this, this by this, it'll help you to design your plan a little bit better. And if you if you like eating breakfast, I mean, I like eating breakfast. So the thing is for me, I wouldn't always want to skip it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to skip it because I actually enjoy the process of making breakfast and eating it in the morning. So for me, it's how do I then fit that into my diet, whether it be a certain protein intake, certain carbohydrate intake I require, fat intake, and then um, adjust the other meals around that. So yeah. that's that's the best way to look at it, really. And the thing is, there's so much around outside influences. I mean, I still try and convince my clients that, you know, it's not about weight. And mm. you're doing all the fat percentage, you're doing the measurements, and they're getting smaller, getting smaller but my weight hasn't changed that much. Yeah. Because, you know, it's years and years of marketing, is it, on weight? Yeah. And it's yeah, easy yeah. to measure and stuff like that. But what happens when they plateau for four weeks, three weeks, four weeks, well, they drop off and then they put weight on and then yeah. increase the fat and then it ends up in a yo-yo effect. And, you know, around breakfast, you know, we did a poll, didn't we, earlier yeah. on on your, yeah, on the, through Facebook. And, you know, it turned out that 68% of the population that took part, you know, thought it was the most important meal of the day. Yeah. I mean, what what do you say about that sort of evidence, how people think? Do you reckon they're miseducated or is it just down to the individual person about, well, if you train, you're going to do this. And if you don't train, you're going to do this. Yeah, and I think... I think that's exactly right. Yeah, when it when it comes to, I don't think it's anything per se to do with what the person's always trying to achieve and things like that because it was a, a really mixed poll of, of individuals. But the the kind of idea of again it being the most important meal of the day, I think it, it is marketing to an extent, but it's probably also what you've grown up with from from being a child. You know, you're told to kind of sit at the table and eat your breakfast and things like that. So. A lot of it comes from habitual behaviour over time. But I don't think it's essentially the reason I did the poll. I don't think it was to say, right, no, 68% of you are wrong. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, exactly. it's not to say that at all. It's to say, you, let's, let's try and look at it in a little bit more context. So let's try and look at how we can develop something that's that's right for the individual. And that's, that's the important thing with breakfast, because as, as you know, you'll get a newspaper article comes out breakfast is no good for you now and then the next time it'll come out and say breakfast is the best thing you can you can ever do um so yeah it's about finding that nice balance really and taking the kind of sensationalism out of um out of the, the journalism with it as well and that comes with with any sort of nutrition base and really thinking about it in its basics and thinking well actually what's right for me what's going to help me achieve my particular goals that i'm trying to achieve from this and again like I said, and I had a comment actually on the, on the Facebook post for this that essentially said that, um, I'm just finding the comment now. <laughs> yeah, so it essentially said that the if you're an athlete, focus, uh, focus particularly on performance, it might be important to actually have breakfast, especially when you're training early or you might be training multiple times a day. So that's where breakfast can become more important because you're thinking of it from a performance perspective. But, um, and how much would it increase performance on an average, do you reckon, having um, breakfast before you work out? Probably not a massive amount in the, the very well trained. So, yeah. But again, it depends on your level of, of, of training. So if you're an elite level athlete, 
marginal gains become massive gains. So yeah. a difference of um, a couple of percent in some cases can be the difference between a gold medal and bottom of the bottom of the table. So and that's that's where it starts to become a little bit more important when you start looking at the individual uh, the individual's marginal gains, how high a level they want to they want to perform to and things like that. But yeah, when it comes to the general population itself, I think it comes down more to a, a kind of personal perspective on, on their thoughts with breakfast, because there is always the placebo effect as well. So the placebo effect can be a very strong effect. So if you take someone's breakfast away, but their perception of breakfast is that it does help me concentrate throughout the day, that person might get to mid-morning and think, you know what, I feel really hungry, I'm not able to concentrate yeah. properly on my work. I'm going to go and hit the vending machine now because I need something. I need something in. Yeah, so having that breakfast might actually offset that person then subsequently going to the vending machine and and picking at that rather than having these these set meals throughout the day. And that's the same with any habit, isn't it? Is it that you're trying to undo. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be hard because your body's expecting something that you're not giving it. Yeah, exactly. And, if, and the other thing to think of as well, if, you, if you're not where you are or where you want to be at the minute, there's behaviours that have put you there. So then it's looking at, well, what different behaviours do I need to put in place um, to help me uh, achieve my goals that I want to achieve? And the best advice with that, really, and um, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with this, is to is to do very small things because a big disruption for individuals, these life-changing disruption, right, I'm going to absolutely stop everything. I'm going to stop eating bread and cakes and biscuits yeah. and chocolates. It's a bit too much of a shock to the system initially, and it usually forms uh, causes relapse yeah. and then normally I mean that's the thing that I call diet you know diet's got to end some you can't live on a diet no. so it's got to end some point yeah. unless you're actually making it a lifestyle change then yeah. it becomes more substantial yeah. uh, I mean I just think people that go on diets you know they're, they're destined to fail to a certain extent aren't they because you can't live on it it's more yeah. short-term changes yeah uh, and I, I totally agree like changing the small little bits that's what becomes habits and later yeah. later life so and that's how you achieve success, but you've just got to have patience with it, isn't it? It's because yeah. we're in that society of like, I want it now, and this is what I've got to be like, and this is how it is. Yeah, it's instant gratification, and it's it's difficult being in an exercise setting a lot of the time, because let's say you wanted to go and buy a new television. You part with your money, you pick the TV up, instant gratification, yeah. you've, you've got that TV. On finance. Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> whereas with, with exercise itself, it's it's a long process in a, in a lot of cases, so it's Having those small goals or what I call quick wins helps as well. So if you've got those immediate wins in front of you, they might only be very small goals. So it might be, right, I want to row a thousand meters on a rower in a set time. So having having those small goals rather than this kind of big end goal helps with, um, I generally tend to find helps with consistency as well of, of the person exercising and following a, um, a dietary regime. Because there, there needs to be some restriction. You can't have no restriction. If you have no restriction, it, it just becomes, um, it, it goes the opposite direction. So you're very unlikely to achieve your health and fitness goals if there is no restriction in any way, shape or form to yeah. anything, whether that be calories or alcohol or, um, again, whatever whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, changing patterns. I mean, we're going to go on to some of the questions that we've received now uh, on Facebook. I mean, I think, who's the first person we've got? It's... Yeah, so we've got Karen who, who put the first question up. Um, so basically, Karen asked, um, is there such a thing as the best pre-training breakfast or is it down to individual preference and goals? Um, yes, yeah, so I think with that, it's 
as I mentioned earlier, the, there's no such thing really as a best pre-training breakfast. It, it more comes down to what the the, own, the individual's um, needs preferences are, are yeah. or, or needs, yeah, as you say. So the what I would suggest initially is I would suggest looking at the overall day, really, and what you're trying to achieve from the day. So if that's a particular amount of calories, one of the simple ways to do it is say, right, I'll have a third at breakfast, third at lunch, and a third at dinner. Now, that doesn't always work brilliantly for most people because they might not be able to go that that kind of period of time and as well it's also getting um getting the body used to that as well so if you've always ate six or seven times a day let's say and then all of a sudden you cut back to three you probably will feel quite hungry between it but there's that almost like that turnover period especially when it comes to um the appetite hormones um leptin ghrelin etc um so they'll they'll be impacted somewhat by your habitual um, or your, your habits in, in your eating. So, yeah, I think look at it on an individual perspective. Yeah, and it's, it's different for the sports as well, isn't it? You're not going to, because Karen does a lot of weight uh, training. Yeah. Uh, she's not going to be the same as a marathon runner, is she? No, before exactly, the event, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, so I think, uh, especially with, if you're looking at an exercise program that's going to ask, uh, last, sorry, an hour or less, you're not looking at requiring a massive amount of carbohydrates. Mm. So, the, the fuel itself, the, there's usually, if, if people eat frequently enough, there's usually enough muscle glycogen to sustain, um, especially when you go to lower repetition training as well. Um, there's usually enough muscle glycogen to, to fuel a training session with very little detriment to, to performance. Whereas, as Chris said, if you're training towards a marathon or you're training multiple times a day, it does start to become a little bit more important with a refueling strategy as well. So how quickly you can refuel following training. And if we uh, look on to the next question, who's that? Then? Uh, so this is from uh, Pete. So yeah. this is, uh, what are the effects short and long term if you don't eat breakfast for any normal person on a day-to-day basis? And what is the required food that the average body needs to eat after a standard eight-hour period with no food? So if I answer the first bit, um, the first part of the question, so what are the effects short and long term if you don't eat breakfast? Um, there doesn't appear to be a massive amount of effects. Again, it will come down to um, what you're trying to achieve from it. But one of the main side effects, actually, of skipping breakfast in the research was individuals lost weight. <laughs> that was that was just something that, that was kind of, it was surprising to an extent, but I think when you looked at it, it, it just made sense because you're essentially cutting... They couldn't make it up for the rest of the day. Exactly, yeah. So the person was not able to, um, to make up that, that calorie deficit. And... Uh, what is the required food that the average body needs to eat after a standard eight-hour period with no food? So it probably, again, depending on the, the person's training habits, depending on what their their job might be, if they do a very manual job, there's probably not a massive amount of requirement with regards to food at breakfast. But I would normally base it around the basic fundamentals of a protein, carbohydrate, and fat source. So, again, the carbohydrates can be reduced a little bit if you prefer a higher fat breakfast or vice versa. Because, again, it's it, it's all going to come down to calories, essentially. So it's going to be down to whether you, you're looking at losing weight, you want to be in a calorie deficit, gain weight, you've got to be in a calorie surplus. Um, mus, muscle, for example. So muscle is more based on uh, signaling rather than storage. So you need a signal to actually signal muscle protein synthesis. And in the majority of the research, that looks about 1.4 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day will cause that um, that that sort of muscle protein synthesis response. But um, and then you can look into leucine as an amino acid and, and things like that. But 
that can be for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when it comes down to the, the requirement of food, um, it's going to be based on on your standard day. I would I would take the advice and looking at a, a full day of your diet and then breaking it down into bits, whether you prefer to have that breakfast meal there, whether you prefer something at 11 o'clock, for example, when you've been at work a couple of hours. It, it just depends on individual preferences. Yeah. And the other thing as well is if you have less calories at breakfast, you've got more to eat at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's the research that are going on at the moment? Is it is there much research into breakfast or Yeah, not? so at the minute, the main research around breakfast is looking at um, either the composition of breakfast, um, which, which is best for exercise performance, or looking at actually completely eliminating breakfast, but blinding people to that, that breakfast um well that that lack of breakfast so and that's that's proven really difficult because essentially you've got to create a zero calorie breakfast so if we give people a drink and uh, one's got calories in and one hasn't that might actually be changing that person's normal um, eating habits yeah. anyway because if they go from eating, different, yeah so if they're, if they're eating porridge for example for breakfast and then we give them a drink then it's that perception of having a drink which could change the person's uh, habits towards something anyway and their their daily exercise and, and things like that so it's actually now looking at how we can create a breakfast uh, say a porridge based breakfast that's low to zero calorie which is obviously very very difficult it's going to involve uh, different types of um, sweet sweetened food and different types of gums and, and things like that which actually create thickness but without creating <laughs> calories so, I mean, you know you know when it comes down to breakfast you know how long a gap should you have between eating and you know performance wise or going training and stuff you know it did, just depends what you're having doesn't it yes yeah, definitely um and this is why if, if people do train early in the morning they might have um, a drink based breakfast mm. so they might have uh, some people would have a black coffee let's say and just have a, a black coffee before training for the for the caffeine benefits um, others might have um, a supplement-based drink, others might have a solid food. But when it comes to solid food, ideally you're going to want to wait an hour and a half to two hours usually before exercising hard anyway. So because obviously you might end up losing those calories in the in the exercise session if they come back up. So the, the main thing is that you're, you're leaving enough time between actual breakfast consumption and exercise well if you are going to train in the morning. So for some people that might mean getting up a little bit earlier or again having a breakfast shake rather than having um, a solid food meal. You know, so bringing it all to conclusion, you know, what's your what's your perception on breakfast? Are you, are you going to sit on the fence and say it's individual to the person or would you say, well, majority of people I prefer them to have breakfast. You yeah. know, what do you advise your clients in, in, you know, in your PT world? The majority of my clients are actually advise to have breakfast yeah. if they want it. So I usually find... And this if is, they want it. Is yeah, it? <laughs> exactly. So this goes back to my, um, the poll that was put on. So when we had 68% of, um, of the individuals asked, said it was the most important meal of the day. The last thing I would want to do is take that person's breakfast away. Because if I'm looking at this person and thinking, how can I get them to perform better? And by performance, I don't always mean running a world record 100 meter sprint. It could be going in the gym and doing a little bit more on the treadmill. It could be doing a little bit more on a cross trainer, doing a little bit more weight. Um, so, yeah, but for that person, I think for me to come and take that, that breakfast away, which they might have been habitually having since they were a child, would probably in some way shape or form affect their, their performance or their perception of it anyway so for most people i would i would actually still maintain a, 
a breakfast meal at, at some point of the morning. And, you know, just one bit of advice, if you could just throw it out there to any individual, so not just thinking training for the average joke, yeah. and it can be anything around mindset or for your nutrition or training or anything like that, what's the one bit of advice that you want to leave out there so people yeah, I think the, the best bit of advice is, is um, take the research as, as it is. It's a good in, it's good indicator of how somebody's physiology would work, but the, the psychological aspects of things as well is also really important. So it's understanding what's right for you, what works best for you, how you can fit something, as, as Chris said earlier, into your lifestyle. So for me, it's about not changing your lifestyle. It's about trying to fit activity, trying to fit um, something sustainable within your lifestyle rather than a lifestyle change to then facilitate your new diet or new training program. So again, it's finding something that, that fits into your lifestyle. And education is key really with it. So rather than giving an individual a diet plan and saying, here, follow this, I would much rather educate that individual to be able to make their own choices because then that's when they can start fitting it around their lifestyle because I, I, don't, lead, I don't lead their life or I don't, um, I don't have their lifestyle. So they, they might be doing something at a particular time which might not suit with, with what I prescribe on a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming in today, Mark. So yeah, that you. was uh, Mark Elliott. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook. Under... Yeah. Facebook, it's Mark Elliott. Uh, simple as that. And uh, <laughs> on Instagram, it's me fitness. So yeah, it's just uh, me.fitness on the uh, well, at me fitness on Instagram. And you can also contact him through uh, my Facebook page, which is Chris Morby Health and Wellbeing Coach, or the Instagram page, which is just Chris Morby Health Coach. Uh, also, the Twitter page from my company is opt underscore perform. Uh, remember, uh, subscribe to the, the podcast. It's called the Morby Download. There'll be a weekly download going on all the time. I'm going to have different... Uh, patients, clients, partners that I work with, different people that have inspired me along the way. And remember, you know, your attention gives me energy. So the more attention that you give me, I'll put more podcasts on and we'll give out more information. If you want to comment on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter and say you want something around business or you want something around stress, you want something around health or nutrition, then we, I can get the right people into uh, supply with what you want. Okay, have a great afternoon, guys. Keep sending out them positive vibes. I'll see you later. Take care.